Hello, everyone, and welcome back to a very newsworthy edition of the Pens Cast. This is not a mailbag episode. This is strictly a news-related episode because we have massive, massive news to discuss as it relates to the Pittsburgh Penguins. And, uh, well, if you're tuning in to this podcast episode on August 7th, 2023, uh, just about 24 hours ago, the Pittsburgh Penguins' newly promoted general manager, Kyle Dubas, finally swung for the fences, hit that home run, dare I say hit a grand slam as Kyle Dubas and the Pittsburgh Penguins acquire Eric Carlson from the San Jose Sharks. It was a behemoth blockbuster trade. But the fact remains, Kyle Dubas, this was the player that Kyle Dubas wanted since coming into the Penguins organization. And now, as we look at the twilight of Crosby and Malkin's career, they add one of the best defensemen of their generation. You could argue one of the best defensemen of all time in Eric Carlson. Here are the details of the trade, again, for those who maybe haven't seen it or would like a recap. It was a three-team trade. The Penguins received defenseman Eric Carlson, forward Rem Pitlick, a prospect Dylan Hamiluk from San Jose, a 2026 third-round draft pick. San Jose receives Pittsburgh's 2024 first-round draft pick. That draft pick is top 10 protected. San Jose also receives Mikael Granlund and Jan Ruda from Pittsburgh, The forward Granlin and defenseman Jan Ruda are in San Jose, and Mike Hoffman goes to San Jose as a result of the third team entering this deal, the Montreal Canadiens. So as the the broker here, the third team in this deal, the Montreal Canadiens receive Pittsburgh's 2025 second-round pick. Jeff Petrie, who was acquired from the Montreal Canadiens, goes back to Montreal Pittsburgh also sheds the salary of backup goaltender Casey DeSmith and a forward prospect in the Penguin system, a former third-round pick, Nathan Legere, also goes up to Montreal as well. It is a lot of assets switching and swapping and going to different parts of North America. The fact remains, Eric Carlson is a Pittsburgh Penguin. This had been long rumored, long discussed. We had talked about it ad nauseum on on mailbag episodes and in news episodes throughout the summer. And uh, I'm joined, I've been talking for for the first three minutes of this podcast. I am joined for this episode with fellow uh, contributor here at the Skating Penguin Network. I am joined by Snail. Robbie is uh, unavailable and he will be with us later in the week for for a mailbag edition of the Pens cast. But Snail is with us. Snail, we we are here talking about Eric Carlson, and if you can't tell by my voice, I'm still grinning from ear to ear, as I'm sure you are as well. Uh, I just cannot believe that not only did the Penguins acquire Eric Carlson, but General Manager Kyle Dubas was able to make this trade. He basically erased all of Ron Hextall's major mistakes. And additionally, he does not give up the futures of players like Braden Yeager or Owen Pickering or P.O. Joseph. I I can't look at this trade as anything other than a grand slam for Kyle Dubas. Eric Carlson is a Pittsburgh Penguin. I cannot wait for this season to start. Uh, my, my excitement level has gone through the roof. I was mildly underwhelmed throughout this summer 
at some of the additions that were made in the bottom six and on the defense. But Eric Carlson, in my opinion, is that damn good in the transition game. He is the reigning Norris Trophy winner, one of the best offensive defensemen of his generation or perhaps any generation for that matter. I'm over the moon about the possibilities that this could create for the Penguins, but I'll hand the microphone over to you. What were your initial reactions when finding out that Carlson was headed to the Steel City? I mean, just like you, I've been grinning ear to ear as well. This I, I've had kind of a rough <clears throat> last seven days. I've been kind of sick. I woke up yesterday and checked my phone like we all normally do before we're even super coherent, and I'd seen that Eric Carlson had officially become a Pittsburgh Penguin. Honestly, just, you know, going from Hextall to Dubas, I mean, I already had a lot of faith in Dubas, just seeing his body of work of what he'd been able to accomplish by managing that roster in Toronto. Um, seeing what he did here with this transaction, this massive transaction, and like you said, deleting all of these errors that Hextall had kind of accumulated. Um, what a wizard. That was amazing. An amazing job by Dubas. He instilled so much i so much faith um as the head of hockey ops and gm uh, moving petrie and grandland giving up he gave up that first round pick um honestly in my opinion i think if that's hextall or any other gm we're losing that first rounder just to offload one of those contracts and we're not getting a carlson but i think dubis has been in the kitchen cooking this for quite a while it sounds like i saw a comment from him saying he had been working on this since maybe he was in toronto did you see that quote by chance maybe he was trying to swing a carlson trade in toronto i wouldn't be surprised i don't know how he would have made carlson work under the cap he would have had to while he was in toronto he would have had to move out some rather large assets uh salary cap wise maybe a nylander um perhaps a Tavares going the other way but i did not see that he was cooking that in in toronto I had only been aware of what Dubas was trying to do. He made he made his intentions clear when he came to Pittsburgh, but no, I hadn't seen uh, anything related to Carlson potentially going to Toronto while while Dubas was in Toronto. Well, yeah, I, I saw a quote about it. You know, obviously there was Toronto. That's a they are tight on cap space there. And uh, anyways, he came to Pittsburgh and we got ourselves the reigning Norris Trophy winner, um, former captain of the Ottawa Senators. He's won the Norris Trophy three times in his career. Uh, crazy. It's crazy that, you know, it kind of, kind of reminds me of the Phil Kessel trade, probably the last, like, earth-shattering trade the Penguins made that really uh, disrupted the fabric of the hockey universe. Um, this has been overwhelming. It's, it's just I've been doing nothing but <clears throat> trying to imagine what this – first unit power play is going to look like and uh and what the who's going to be number one Kimmer Latang. um anyways it's been awesome it, it's it's super exciting I've also loved seeing the haters on on Twitter I saw this guy Ken Campbell a hockey writer he lists here the Eric Carlson trade ranking by team one Montreal two San Jose three Pittsburgh and I don't know what you think about that, Garrett, but I saw that and I was just, I was laughing. And there's other people on there there. Well, what about Carter? You still have Carter. L listen, Carter is still a Pittsburgh Penguin. We've addressed it on here a ton of times. He remains on the roster. There's not much you can do with him. He's over 35. His cap, his, this cap hit is only like a little over 3 million. That's not the 5 million Grandland contract. And that's not the 35 year old cap hit of Petrie at 6 million. 
Uh, again, we've talked about it a lot on here. He's probably our 12th forward, fourth liner, min- minimal responsibilities, uh, probably scratched a lot. He's got over 400 goals and can win a draw. You can maybe argue he's more valuable than Granlund. Let's move off of the Carter thing. We got Carlson in Pittsburgh. Garrett, I'll pass it back over to you. Yeah, I don't know who uh, Ken Campbell is. I wouldn't be surprised if he's a Toronto-based sports writer probably trying to get a dig on Kyle Dubas for departing Toronto, as many of the media members up there often try to do. However, I will say, I don't understand where where the, the haters come from. Yes, you're taking on a Carlson contract, and the cap hit is large. There's no, there's no getting around it. San Jose retains $1.5 million in that deal, and the Penguins take on a $10 million cap hit. It is certainly, it's the largest cap hit on the team. It's larger than Malkin and it's larger than Crosby's. But with the salary cap steadily going to increase over the next couple of seasons, I'm not going to say that Eric Carlson's contract is going to look like a bargain, but it will offer the Penguins a bit more flexibility, a bit more breathing room as the salary cap continues to go up. The salary cap had been flat. It hadn't been moving over the last couple of years due to COVID. And I know general managers are looking forward to the summer of 2024 when that salary cap is projected to go up by maybe three, $4 million. And it's expected to increase uh, in subsequent summers moving forward. So we're definitely have an eye towards the future, but as it relates to the here and now, this is this is as much of a slam dunk win a plus trade as I can describe. I want to I want to give a little excerpt of something in, in, in the athletic I was reading today from Josh Yoey, who has been on this podcast before, a friend of this podcast, and uh, he mentioned this little snippet and his when describing his thoughts regarding the Carlson trade. Since Mario Lemieux entered the league almost 40 years ago, no NHL team has won more than the Penguins' five championships. No franchise has come close to producing that level of star power. It's who the Penguins are. It's in the Penguins' DNA. When you think of the Penguins, you think of Mario Lemieux, Sidney Crosby, Malkin, Yarmir Yager, Paul Coffey, Ron Francis, Chris Letang, Kevin Stevens. Alexei Kovalev, Joey Mullen, Mark Recchi, Rick Tockett, Larry Murphy, Sergey Gonchar, Marc-Andre Fleury. The list can go on and on and on. The Penguins have been blessed and their fans like us have been blessed with watching uh, grade A star power for the better part of 40 years at this point. And let's not mistake that the Penguins, this current era of Crosby and Malkin, are closer to the end than they are the beginning. However, the thing that the thing that Ron Hextall failed to do where Kyle Dubas very openly understood is he owes it to the team. He owes it to the veterans who have played their entire careers here, who have dedicated the better part of their entire lives to this city and this franchise to try and get one more championship. If the Penguins and Crosby and Malkin don't win another championship in in their NHL career, which is likely, it's a young man's game. Uh, and the Penguins are not a young man's roster. If the Penguins don't win another championship throughout this, this whatever, however much longer this window lasts, I will be more than satisfied with what they accomplished from 2005 up until whenever they re- retire, 2026 or 2027. That would be an unparalleled level of dominance in North American sport. And Josh Owey laid it out. No one has won more Stanley Cups over that period of time than the Pittsburgh Penguins. 
However, Crosby and Malkin, as you saw last season, when healthy, are still producing at an elite level. You owe it to Crosby and Malkin and Latang, the three team members who are still here from the genesis of this era when it started all those years ago. You owe it to them to try and win one more time. And this is a move that does that. I believe Eric Carlson pushes the needle that much, and I'm not trying to over-exaggerate or try to sound like a a shock jock on a radio station or anything like that. I believe the reigning Norris Trophy winner, a 100-point defenseman, will improve offense. Yeah, he's going to make gaffes defensively. Eric Carlson has not built a reputation over the last decade plus for his sound defensive work, but he's also won three Norris Trophies over that span as well. Eric Carlson is that dynamic of a playmaker. He's going to help in the transition game. Snail, as you mentioned it, I cannot wait to watch this power play unit. You could put Latang and Carlson on the same unit with Crosby, Malkin, and Gensel, theoretically. How stacked would that that, uh, power power play one be with Crosby, Malkin, Gensel, Latang, and Carlson? I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, I think Carlson is going to man power play unit number one. I wouldn't be surprised if Latang mans the second power play unit. But again, just the hypotheticals we can think of between now and October, two months from now when that puck drops and they're playing the Chicago Blackhawks in their first game of the season, the, the thoughts are endless. The last thing I'll say before I'll turn it back over to you, Snail, is you mentioned that this is the the first trade, the first real seismic trade the Penguins have made since the Kessel trade back in 2015. I was texting my buddy, Pat Damp, who I work with at KDKA, who is also the co-host of the Locked On Penguins podcast with Hunter Hodes. The homies got to support other homies. I was texting Pat, and I had told him that's exactly how I felt. I haven't felt this way about a player coming to Pittsburgh since Kessel arrived in 2015. When that trade was made back in the July of 2015, I knew, and I still remember exactly where I was when I was looking at my phone and I found out that Kessel had been traded to Pittsburgh. That's how I feel about this Eric Carlson trade. That's how much I believe in Eric Carlson. You can say the Penguins are still an old team. Eric Carlson is no spring chicken at 33 years old, but you can't deny that he's a three-time Norris Trophy winner. He's a seven-time All-Star, and he just put up 100 points on a terrible San Jose Sharks team last season that was trying to win the Connor Bedard sweepstakes. So to put that all in perspective, I am thrilled with the hypotheticals and the possibilities that exist now that a dynamic playmaker is on their back end to compliment Chris Letang. I just cannot wait for October. I might have to go buy a Carlson jersey, or if I want to be more financially responsible, maybe one of those Carlson t-shirts. But um, that'll be a story for another time. Snail, I'll, I'll uh, hand it back over to you as we continue to to praise Kyle Dubas and celebrate this this jubilation of you know not only acquiring Carlson but retooling the entire roster getting rid we haven't even gone into detail about getting rid of Jan Ruda and Mikel Granlund and all, all the things that, that that this trade has caused for the Penguins as a result but uh, I'll turn it back over to you and we can continue to to shoot from the hip here and talk about the wonders of Eric Carlson and so forth. I just wanted to quickly just mention this thing that's kind of been on my mind about Dubis and 
what I love about what he did in this is he went and he got his guy. I've been complaining about this during the whole Hextall regime. I I just don't understand. I mean, maybe I do understand a little bit. It seems so simple to some of us armchair GMs to sit back and be like, why can't you just go make this work? Like, how? I'm not married to such and such player and such and such player. Like, And it seems that Dubis kind of has that wherewithal to be like, this is the guy I want. I'll move heaven and earth to get our guy. And he has to get, he has to utilize creativity where I think Hextall had none whatsoever. It just, all his trades kind of left us in this huge hole that Dubis has had to clean up. I just can't pump Dubis's tires enough for going out and just making it happen. And he didn't, you know, we'd even talked on here a little bit. It's like, well, do you give up a Jaeger or a, or a Owen Pickering to get this guy? And it's kind of like, well, yeah, you know, kind of grimacing like, yeah, probably should. And he didn't. He didn't have to. In fact, he just got rid of our bad contracts, except for you could argue, of course, you know, I know there are people out there. They're going to say Carter. Yeah, Carter's still on the team. But you got rid of Granlin. You got rid of Petrie and Jan Ruda. I didn't even really see Jan Ruda. I was like, he's a great third pairing right shot D, but he gets rid of him, that contract. And then, I mean, we have a little bit of a backlog of right shot D's kind of, we got Friedman, Ruedel, and then I don't really know if he can or not, but you have Ty Smith, who hasn't really seen a lot of NHL action, and he's just sitting down in Wilkes-Barre waiting for an opportunity. So cannot pump his tires enough for this. Um, I mean, just looking at Carlson, yeah, he was on one of the worst teams in the league last year, and he had 35 goals and 76 assists. That's like first line. That's, yes, <laughs> yes. No, that's not just first line production. That is superstar first line production to oh, get yeah. to get that. I mean, how many? Not many people can eclipse the hundred point. Not many forwards can eclipse the hundred point mark throughout an eighty-two game season in today's NHL. The fact that a thirty-three-year-old defenseman on a openly tanking San Jose Sharks team was able to accomplish that—I mean, that's straight up ludicrous. It's it's ridiculous as far as I'm concerned. It really is. Um, and he's coming to pit and I believe he's coming. He's going to play with Sid. I don't really. And what I mean by that is, yeah, they're going to be on the power play. And yeah, he's probably going to be, you know, I wouldn't be totally shocked if he was the the first uh, pairing right D maybe with a Marcus Pedersen or a Ryan Graves. We don't really know how that's going to look yet, but I believe he's coming to play with our superstars here in Pittsburgh. He's coming to He's going to drive play from the back end. He's going to quarterback the power play. He's going to be finding Sid. He's going to be finding Gensel and probably Raquel, which is just super exciting to think about because you see the players that he was, you know, not to totally shit on San Jose, but the caliber of players he was playing with there and maybe making their numbers more inflated, giving these guys who are getting an opportunity to get higher minutes. You know, he's making people better around him. I just think it's going to be unreal. And, uh, I'd like to uh, I'd like to maybe move off of Carlson a little bit. I know that this has been su- there's a couple other pieces that are coming to, to Pittsburgh, and they are not these they're not Eric Carlson esque players. But we got this Rem Picklet guy, and we got Dylan Hamiluk. And I was just curious, Garrett, have you do you know anything about these guys? I've seen Rem Pitlick's name around a few times, but I don't know too much about him. And Dylan Hamiluk, I know nothing about. But aside from Carlson, do you have any info on the guys that we kind of picked up in this acquisition? To my understanding, Rem Pitlick, who has been around, he's I think he's a 25-year-old forward. Let me pull up his hockey reference data right here because I did have it pulled up. Uh, just the 
just the other day as I was uh, doing some research here. He's a 25-year-old left-handed centerman, making a has a current cap hit of $1.1 million. In 46 games last season, he had six goals, nine assists, 15 points, and was a minus 15. In 123 career games, 21 goals, 33 assists, 54 points. And he spent the majority of his career, well, bouncing around. He spent the first two years of his career with the Nashville Predators. He spent two seasons with the Montreal Canadiens and uh, one season or part of one season with the Minnesota Wild. So he's bounced around from, from a couple of different teams. But at 25, 26 years old, he's a young forward. Uh, I imagine he'll compete in the bottom six, maybe uh, maybe just maybe sent down to the AHL squad, depending on who wins some of those bottom six competitions throughout training camp, because that is one thing that Kyle Dubas loaded up on. And that was another thing that he put emphasis on throughout this offseason here in Pittsburgh was to shore up the, the bottom six with stronger defensive players who can assist on the penalty kill. So I imagine that Rem Pitlick will be put in that lumped with those similar players in the bottom six. But again, it make it does it does in theory make the Penguins a younger team. They shipped out more older players and acquired Carlson at 33, Rem Pitlick at 26. And this prospect I don't know too much about as I was looking at some of the individual pieces here looks like he was a former second rounder and he's not played an nhl game yet it looks like no he hasn't um which is a little concerning uh given that he was drafted in the 2019 draft yes you said you mentioned round two uh number 55 overall by the san jose sharks i believe he's a big forward though he's a big left winger six foot three 201 pounds so if he if he does make his way to the the AHL Penguins, which I'm that's where he's almost guaranteed to go at this rate. If he makes his way to the AHL Penguins and Wilkes Bear, he's going to give them a massive, massive body. Uh, he split he split time between the AHL and the ECHL. Last season he played six games in the ECHL with the Wichita Thunder. Six games, four goals, three assists, seven points. In 2021-22, that was with the San Jose AHL affiliate, the San Jose Barracuda. Played 44 games, registering three goals and nine points, 37 penalty minutes. So not much of an offensive spark in the AHL to this point after completing his junior career in the WHL. But uh, I, I'm curious. I don't think, in all honesty, I don't think too much is going to come of this 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 22-year-old, 21-year-old prospect, given his uh, trajectory at this point. But at the end of the day, it's it's organizational depth. And if you had to include that player to make the rest of the trade work, then, then so be it. Uh, but looking at Pitlick compared to um, Dylan Hamilluck, I, I imagine Pitlick will have a chance to compete in the bottom six given his prior NHL experience. I don't think Pitlick is going to contribute too much offensively. He's probably going to be relied more on doing defensive slash penalty kill work. But yes, there are other pieces, like you mentioned, like Snell mentioned, coming back besides Eric Carlson. Snell, as, as you mentioned, there are so many different moving pieces to this trade. Mikel Granlin goes to San Jose. Jan Ruda goes to San Jose, you mentioned. Jan Ruda was brought in last year to try and be a bigger net front presence in front of his own net to try and shore up the defense on the back end. That really didn't come to fruition. Mikel Granlin, uh, that has been uh, that contract and his uh, acquisition at the trade deadline this past season is well documented at this point. 
Mike Hoffman goes from the Canadians to the San Jose Sharks. And from the Canadians aspect, they, re- they received Jeff Petrie once again, who it was rumored that the Penguins were trying to shed Jeff Petrie's salary. Uh, but also Casey DeSmith, a longtime backup goaltender here in Pittsburgh. Now the the backup goaltender position behind Tristan Jari will be determined in a battle between Alex Nedeljkovic and I believe the third goaltender is Magnus Helberg, who was also acquired in free agency. A lot of different moving pieces, but obviously the, the big fish is the one that the Penguins got, and it was Kyle or it was Eric Carlson, Kyle Dubas. It was able to orchestrate this this trade while not he didn't sacrifice the future, he didn't sacrifice the present. If anything, he made the present a bit more palatable because you could make the argument that the Penguins over the last two to three seasons had been something of a chore to watch during the Ron Hextall era. It wasn't something that was overly exciting to tune into. But now with the addition of a dynamic playmaking defenseman like Carlson. I'm ready. I'm my, my engine is revved right back up. I'm at level 100 and I'm I'm ready to go to see if this group of veteran players can make one last good run at a Stanley Cup. Yeah, this is like kind of reminds me of that Red Wings team where they just loaded yes. up on every all-star and they exactly. made a run and I think they won the Stanley Cup that year. So, you know, don't want my uh, expectations to get too high, but yeah, just bring bring all the veterans. Carlson, hey, we've talked about this on here before. One of those guys that he doesn't have that cup yet. His actual best chance at a cup was stymied by, by the Chris by, yes. by Sid and Chris Kunitz uh, in a double overtime of game seven of the uh, Eastern Conference final in 2017 so he's coming to join the Penguins and he's going to see what he can make some noise here uh, back in the the in the Eastern Conference the Metropolitan Division yeah it's super exciting I, he, I just feel like he fits this system so well too Petrie honestly like I, I mean, the contract and his age was glaring, but I wouldn't have been super upset at seeing Petrie here another year. I think he kind of could provide a little bit of that puck-moving offensive spark that the Penguins kind of need at times from the back end. But you get rid of that contract, and Ruta just didn't really fit. I mean, in Tampa, he was pretty successful. They played a quite a different system than the Penguins do. I just think that having that mobility and that offensive prowess that Carlson provides is just exactly what the Penguins need. And even if he even if he has a significant drop off of his 35 goals, 76 assists, I mean, you're still looking, he's going to account for a lot, a lot of offense that, you know, like we haven't even talked about this yet, but Gensel, you know, it sounds like he's not going to have to be put on LTIR. Gensel had a uh, a surgery recently on his ankle. He's going to miss some games in October. Um, look for Eric Carlson to maybe provide some of that offense that Jake Gensel would be uh, providing. Do you want to get into a little bit of the Gensel news? Yeah, we'll we'll end with the Gensel news. And it's it's crazy as you were ending your thought there, describing that. Yeah, yes, Jake Gensel had ankle surgery, and he will miss the beginning of the 2023-24 season for the Penguins. He will be reevaluated in 12 weeks. This was from August 4th. So 12 weeks or so from August 4th. Gensel had 73 points, 36 goals, 37 assists in 78 games last season. It's certainly going to be a blow for Crosby, especially being Gensel being Crosby's preferred line mate and preferred left wing. 
the blow is softened a little bit with the acquisition of Riley Smith. So I imagine I would not be surprised if Riley Smith bumps up to the first line alongside Crosby and perhaps Ricard Raquel. And you could have Smith, Crosby, and Raquel try and form some chemistry in the short term while Gensel in all likelihood is going to miss the first month of the season. It depends on how the rehab goes from ankle surgery. This had been a nagging injury that hadn't really subsided throughout the offseason, and the team and the player both decided at this point the better thing to do was to get it taken care of now while we're still in the offseason before training camp. He will unfortunately miss part of the beginning of the season, assuming recovery goes as planned. But as Snail mentioned, Carlson is so good that he may be able to, from his position on defense, may be able to shoulder some of that load that comes with not having Jake Gensel in the lineup. And I'm curious because, Snail, you mentioned that he might Gensel might not go on LTIR. I would be curious, if I'm Kyle Dubas, what he's thinking right now because you have $6 million or so to play with in terms of LTIR money. And yes, you'd have to make the roster work when Gensel is healthy and does come back because this isn't a season-long injury. It's not like you can go out and acquire a $6 million forward in a, basically in exchange to replace Jake Gensel for the whole season because once Gensel is healthy and ready to return, that $6 million cap hit of Jake Gensel is going to come back off of LTIR and go right back into factoring into the Penguins and their salary cap proceedings throughout the season. So you have to be careful of managing the salary cap at this point. If if Kyle Dubas does go out, this might be the last thing he does. If he does decide to do it, he may look at his roster right now and figure that there's plenty of enough competition in the short term that he doesn't have to go out and get an external player like a Thomas Tatar, who is still an unrestricted free agent. He could look at his roster and be content with it. And like you mentioned, Snail, with the addition of Carlson, that is going, that is in all likelihood going to lessen the burden of a 36-year-old Crosby. Happy birthday, Sidney Crosby, by the way, as we're recording this on August 7th. Happy 36th birthday to Sidney Crosby, a 37-year-old Evgeny Malkin, who will still be relied upon to give the majority of that offense even at their advanced age. But yes, I still, as I mentioned before, I'll say it again. The Gensel injury isn't ideal, but Eric Carlson is that good that he can help alleviate some of the struggles. As a defenseman, he can alleviate some of those struggles from the offense without Jake Gensel for the start to the season. I'm really curious. Uh, you know, Drew O'Connor, we've talked about him a lot on here, and there's been kind of a general buzz about Drew O'Connor. He entered arbitration um, this offseason, and he came out with a you know, 900000 plus, uh, I think it was a two-year contract. Uh, he had a really good world champions. I'm curious, is this a, this will all be determined in camp, but you know, could this be a big opportunity? Do we stick Drew O'Connor up there with Sid and see it, see what how that goes or stick him with Malkin? I think this could be a huge opportunity for him to really show kind of what he's got in a top six role. It's been something that's been speculated for weeks, if not months at this point. Now that Drew O'Connor avoids arbitration, I've seen it in a couple of different Penguin circles online. We We really don't know how good Drew O'Connor can be. Is he really a top six forward or is he best suited in the bottom six? I don't know. I can't give you that answer. Like you mentioned, this will be something that could be determined throughout training camp and preseason, maybe even to start the regular season. 
But at this point, what do you have to lose? Giving Drew O'Connor a look alongside a Crosby or a Malkin. Best case scenario, he forms some chemistry and maybe develops a little bit of an offensive touch. Worst case scenario, he goes back into the bottom six and you either rotate. Brian Rust can play on his off wing. You still have Riley Smith. Uh, Ricard Raquel, I know, can play on his off wing. Traditionally, he's a right right winger, though. Uh, Kyle Dubas did sign some pieces that may be able to rotate in the second line, third line, fourth line, that can bounce up and down. Not for, I wouldn't say, prolonged periods of time, but I'll always remember Blake Coma, who was signed by Jim Rutherford in the early portion of his tenure. And Blake Como was slotted alongside Malkin. This had been tra- He was signed to like a league minimum deal. And he had always been looked at as like a pretty decent top nine slash bottom six forward. And he was slotted alongside of Genny Malkin on his left wing for the, major- the majority of that season. I think it was 20, it was either 2013-14 or 2014-15. And Como had a great season with- alongside Malkin. He was only here for one season. He didn't resign uh, following his one season in Pittsburgh. But he had a tremendous season alongside Evgeny Malkin. The same thing could happen to Drew O'Connor. You, it's the the thing you least expect a player like O'Connor, who had traditionally been given a bottom six kind of role, not one that had a gigantic cap hit because of his production. He could see something similar like that happen. It remains to be seen, obviously. We just don't know how good or how bad Drew O'Connor might struggle. But it's certainly on the table. It's absolutely on the table whether or not Drew O'Connor uh, we'll we'll get a look in the top six now that Gensel will be out to start the season. The Blake Como example is is great. I'm glad you talked about that. I you know we always tout Sid for being able to make kind of more blue collar players uh, yes. better around him. But you know Malkin's done that too in a lot of different examples in his career. I mean there were times like I remember remember Eric Fair. I've talked about that a little bit before. There were times where he was getting ships with Malkin. I think he had a pretty de- decent year. I uh, can't remember if it was 16 or 17. I think it was 16 uh, on Malkin's wing on the right side. So Drew O'Connor seems kind of like one of those uh, North south players and you know malkin can do all the dancing and the dangling and the puck on a string stuff he just needs competent bodies around him to be able to bury you know some of his slick passing and and uh just be get you know get open malkin will find you so um it'll be interesting to see how this roster looks on on day one but we are getting gensel back um he sounds like he's not gonna have to miss a whole lot and i you talked about it a little bit uh you know does Dubas go out and get like a Thomas Tatar? Does he sign him to a, something and maybe a what, one year or, or whatever and 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 see if he can find a spot for him? I know Tatar, he's kind of been, there's a lot of talk of him right now online. And from what I understand, he doesn't really show up too much in the playoffs. But I mean, we're not looking for him for big numbers or anything. We're looking for him to smell uh, or fill a small void here in the beginning of the season. And then maybe you put him in a depth role. How would you feel about him going out and getting a, a Tatar or a, what's up with, with Patrick Kane? I don't want to get too ridiculous here, but uh, isn't Patrick Kane waiting in the weeds right now? I think Patrick Kane is still rehabbing a, I think it's a hip injury. It's a, some sort of lower body injury. I don't think he's fully healthy. I could be mistaken, but from what I remember reading, it might be something of a chronic hip or hip-related lower body injury. That's why he hasn't signed yet. Now, that would be just absolutely ridiculous. Uh, Kane and Carlson in the same offseason. I don't think that'll happen. But yeah, like you said, Thomas Tatar, he still remains unsigned. I don't know what the NHL veteran league minimum is, but at this point, 
I mean, there can't be too many suitors for a player like Tatar if he's still out there unsigned on August 7th and we're a little over a month away from training camp. So you give maybe him, uh, I know Josh Bailey is still out there. He's another veteran uh, guy in his mid-30s. There's not too many top six caliber or top nine caliber players that you could realistically bring in that would make, that would move the needle a little bit. Tatar was the first person that came to my mind because he does have some experience in the top six, but Kane, I think is injured. I think he's going to sign with the team, but he's definitely not going to start. He's definitely not going to play the start of the season. I think if he does sign, it could be towards the, the, the middle, maybe Thanksgiving, December, before Kane signs with the team, depending on you know who's in contention, who's not in contention, that sort of thing. Yeah, I'm sure he's probably just waiting to see how the season kind of plays out and takes his pick of the litter. Josh Bailey's another great name. That's a competent kind of north-south guy. A notorious penguin killer, too. God, of all people on the Islanders, he always uh, seemed to have his way, especially in the playoffs. Uh, I wouldn't mind seeing him sign to like a league minimum. He's a guy that you could definitely plug in and you know, you're not expecting him to turn back the clock and, and be this massive producer. You're just looking for a short a short run of, you know, five, six games of being a competent winger. I'm looking, and, yes, I'm looking yeah. for competency. That's all I'm looking for is just competency. Comp- give me competency on Malkin's left side and, you know, I'll be good to go for the first month or so of the season until Gensel gets back and, you know, Riley Smith probably goes on Malkin's left wing after that. And I, I think they got Riley, I mean, He's he's gonna be Malkin's. He's probably gonna be what the second line left winger, right? Uh, yeah, he has to be. I mean, I don't. I don't see a scenario even if Gensel doesn't have this surgery, where Riley Smith goes up and and play. now with Gensel out, obviously Smith will likely get a chance to play with Crosby. But yeah, I, I don't see a scenario where Gensel is healthy and he's not playing alongside Crosby at this point. Like you said, I cannot wait for October to get here. Just one more month of this oppressive heat and brutal summer, and then we finally start to get some training camp will open up and start maybe getting a couple preseason games, uh, listen to those on the radio or however you consume those. And then, you know, before you know it, we're going to be seeing our boys back in action with their new acquisition of Eric Carlson presumably wearing 65 in Pittsburgh. I don't think anyone else has got that number. Nope. It, it is open. It is open for the one and only Eric Carlson only. Uh, one thing before we get out of here, I just wanted to briefly bring this up and I wanted to get your uh, input on it. Just the offensive superpower that Eric Carlson is. Are you, what are your thoughts kind of surrounding like, you know, Latang is a leader on this team. You can't, it doesn't matter. You can't take that away from him. He wears an A he's, He's just a, a defensive stalwart on, on this team. Is Latang kind of trying to imagine where his headspace is at? Is he okay with maybe kind of taking a lesser role and be maybe becoming more of a defensive-minded uh, a defenseman and not being the primary puck mover? I don't know Chris Latang personally, but here's what I will say because it's been a thought that has gone into my head as well because when you think of the Penguins – and you put the Penguins in defense together, you think of Chris Letang for so many years. I don't know him personally. However, with Carlson coming to Pittsburgh, I never looked at Letang as a selfish player. If he has to give up power play responsibility or go on the second power play unit or get rid of the power play altogether if he's not on the power play, because Eric Carlson, that is one of his top-level skills, is power play quarterbacking. 
if Chris Letang leaves the power play or goes down to the second pair, you know, if he is second pair right hand with Marcus Pedersen or Ryan Graves, however that shakes out, I don't think this is going to anger Letang in the slightest. He's 36 years old. He recently suffered a second career stroke. Uh, we know he's an athletic fitness freak uh, for him to do some of the things at his age. It's completely uncanny for an athlete to, you know, do some of the things and condition themselves the way Chris Letang does. But at 36, I don't think Chris Letang is going to be angered in the slightest for maybe having something of a, of a decreased responsibility. Even so you look at it this way, you know, you know, for the longest time, Chris Letang was going to play 30 minutes a night he almost demanded to play 30 minutes a night because he took such pride in his fitness and his cardio and all of that. Well, here comes Eric Carlson. Eric Carlson's going to play 30 minutes a night too. I mean, a hockey game is 60 minutes long in theory. (laughs) I mean, I mean, it's not going to even out like this. You're going to get your third pairing on there, but Eric Carlson is going to get at least, at least 20 minutes of ice time a night. Chris Letang is going to get at least 20 minutes of ice time a night. That's 40 minutes out of a 60-minute hockey game in regulation. With either of those two on the ice, your team, just by default, because of how skilled they are, has a better chance of winning. Will Chris Letang become a better defensive defenseman if he takes on lesser responsibilities? I don't think so. He's 36 years old. Uh, what you get, what you see is what you get with Chris Letang, much in the same way Eric Carlson may anger some with his defensive play and lapses in judgment. It's, it's been what Chris Letang has built a reputation on. Eric Carlson, Chris Letang is Eric Carlson light, and I mean that in the best, most complimentary way. He's going to make defensive gaffes, but he can electrify you with offense, and Eric Carlson will be doing the same thing. If Eric Carlson is on the first pair and Letang is on the second pair, then I, I don't see that as a demotion to Latang. Maybe he takes a little bit less ice time. Maybe he takes a little bit less responsibility, not having to quarterback that power play since that will likely go to Carlson. But no, I, I don't see this as a demotion. I don't really see this in any negative way for Chris Latang. If anything, like I mentioned, you're going to have Carlson on there for 20 minutes a night, and you're going to have Latang on there for 20 minutes a night over half of that game will see one of those two defensemen when fully healthy on the ice. So, you know, in theory, given the players that the Penguins are going to ice, they have a better overall. It's just, it's just statistics and it's just how the, how the skill works. You're going to have a better chance to win those games with these players on the ice. If I'm Ruedel or whoever's kind of guaranteed to get that third right shot D I'm just salivating like you got those two guys carrying the load and all you got to do is play like five six minutes a game yeah like, seriously that, that's not, I mean that's a little bit of an exaggeration uh but yes absolutely um Ruedel and whoever maybe it's P.O. Joseph who rounds out the 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 six defensemen there P.O. Joseph Chad Ruedel on your bottom pair that all you have to do, we, we mentioned it earlier before, all you have to do is be competent. You don't have to go above and beyond and be something you're not because for the longest time, you had Chris Letang take care of that superstar offensive defense kind of play. He provided the offense from the point. Now you have Eric Carlson to do the same thing. So Chad Ruedel, if he if he does uh, earn that right-hand spot on the third pair to replace Jan Ruda, 
he doesn't have to play above himself, assuming there are no injuries. Uh, that's always a thing you have to take into consideration. But assuming there are no injuries, Rue Weedle and Joseph do not have to play above their means because Eric Carlson is a Pittsburgh Penguin. Do you think this was timed at all for Sidney Crosby's birthday? Do you think Dubas was like, "Hey, Sid, this one's for you, bud"? He, he's he's gonna say he tells he tells Crosby, "I don't care who I don't care if your girlfriend gets you a week vacation in Italy. I'm going to give you the best birthday present in Eric Carlson." And well, it came a day early. It came on the sixth. Today's the seventh as we're recording this. So. Not only does he get a birthday present, he gets an early birthday present from from his new general manager. Uh, that would be a that so for me. If I'm Sidney Crosby, who eats, leaves, breathes, and sleeps hockey, that 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 that's the best birthday gift uh, a man can get. Absolutely. Oh, dude, think about Bedard. His first game in the NHL isn't it against Pittsburgh? Yes. So, like, imagine him just lining up with Sid, and he's got Gino and Latang, and then he's also got to worry about Carlson. I mean, like, <laughs> not not only is an eighteen-year-old Connor Bedard starstruck from watching Crosby and Malkin, two players that he grew up idolizing, uh, went on the record and said he idolized and watched these players. He's going, like you said, to line up against them. And now, yes, you have to factor in the reigning Norris Trophy winner and an offensive juggernaut in Eric Carlson. It's a, it's it's an incredible welcome to the NHL kind of gift for for one Connor Bedard for sure. <laughs> welcome to the show. Get out there, and it's just like a bunch of Hall of Famers. I love yes. it. I love that for him. In your first NHL game, it's going to be a lot to take in uh, for, for, for Bedard. If I was an 18 year old phenom with all that pressure on my shoulders, I, I would be, I would be just overwhelmed, but I mean, he's lived up to the hype thus far and all projections seem to think that he will be the next, perhaps John Tavares or even Sidney Crosby or Connor McDavid. So yeah, welcome to the league. Here is the reigning Norris trophy winner. Here are three first ballot, maybe even four first ballot hall of famers in, uh, Carlson, Latang, Crosby, and Malkin. Yep, can't wait for that. Well, Garrett, honestly, that's all. That's about all I got here on my note sheet. Anything else we missed or that we should touch on? Uh, no. The only thing, as we sit here and wrap up this news edition of the Pens Cast, uh, I think I mentioned at the start of the show we will have a a mailbag uh, edition of the Pens Cast later in the week. Uh, look for that on your podcasting platform of choice, whether it's Spotify. Google, Apple Podcasts, whatever. But yes, we will have a mailbag episode later this week. I wanted to get this news episode out ASAP while the iron is still hot. And people are going to be talking about Eric Carlson and the Penguins as summer comes to a close and we get ready for preseason and eventually regular season action. So for Snail, I have been Garrett Bahanna. Thank you so much for listening to this edition of the Pens cast. Thank you for listening to the Skating Penguin Network, and we will talk to all of you again very soon.